Open your Bibles with me to Acts chapter 6. Acts chapter 6. We're continuing our series, the beginning of our story. And it's been really fun for me to see how relevant and how timely the Word of God is. Now, that shouldn't be a surprise to us, right? And yet... Somehow, it always is, for me, maybe that demonstrates my own faithlessness, but this has been a lot of fun for me. And so, let's look at Acts chapter 6, and let's start reading in verse 1, Acts 6 and verse 1. And in those days, when the number of the disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Jews, I'm sorry, against the Hebrews, because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And the saying pleased the whole multitude. And they chose Stephen a man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch, whom they set before the apostles, and when they had prayed, they laid their hands on them. And the word of God increased, and the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly, And a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. Lord, help us as we study this passage. What an amazing thing this is, and it will really help us in our own church life. Father, help us to communicate it well. Help us to understand the importance of being a biblical church. In Jesus' name, amen. My message today is there arose a murmuring among the people. A murmuring among the people. Have have any of you been in a church where there was murmuring? What what is murmuring? Don't this is so. What is he doing? I can't believe that leadership. What these? They're, they're not even feeding our widows. They're they're just because we're Greeks. They won't feed us. It's just a racist thing. I can't believe this church. These are supposed to be Christians. Have you all ever heard anything like that going on at church? I won't ask you to raise your hand about how many of you have done it. My hand would be up there. It's interesting what happens in the early church. Because sometimes we look back at the early church and we think, man, wouldn't it have been wonderful to be there at the beginning? This perfect church. How long did it take for murmuring to start? And it's always, it's amazing how often it's over something like this. I mentioned to you, that uh, when I was a kid, my dad was a pastor. We had a church in Wallingford, Connecticut. And there was a church split over the shape of the tables in the new fellowship hall. Tables. Silliness. And so what we see in the Bible is that after a great work of God, there's always trouble. All the time. But some, God does something great and people celebrate and then there's trouble. Man, I've seen it. God does a special work in someone's life. He 
intercedes in a very special way. He heals them. Next thing you know, they're out of the Lord's work. Over and over and over and over again. Why? This is just the human condition. It's like we can't handle success. That's what, it's just amazing. And it's not God that brings the trouble. But what God does is God brings organization out of the trouble. Fascinating to see how God does this. So this first paragraph, in those days when the number of the disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. What's a daily ministration? So remember at the beginning, of, at the end of Acts 4, beginning of Acts 5, they're gathering money together to help people who have need in the church. And so these Greeks, they were, it's possible they had come for the day of Pentecost and had gotten saved because they're people from all over the, the region, were they, uh, your footnote might say these are Hellenists, that is, they were uh, Greek-speaking Jews. So a lot of the Bible commentaries say that. The only problem is that's not the way that that word is used in the Bible. It's, it, it's either, it could be Greek-speaking Jews, or it could just be Greeks. And the reason I think it's just Greeks is because look at the list of people uh, that, that God calls as, as deacons here. Look at the end, look at verse 5. And the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost, and Philip. But look at the last one. And Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. A proselyte of Antioch. So Antioch was a, a Greek city. Nicholas came from a Greek city, but he had been circumcised and had become a Jew. So he was a Greek Jew. That means that God could have identified all of these others as Greek Jews. So some of them might be Greek Jews, some of them just might be Greeks. But we, what we do know is there, there was a division between the Grecians and the Hebrews. And if you've ever been around Hebrews, they're hard to get along with. Why? Because they think every other race is beneath them. It's like being in China. If you've ever dealt with China, China believes that every other race is inferior to the Chinese. If you go to Africa, our friend Andrew Stensis, he's preached for us many times. He pastors First Baptist in Eton. His family were missionaries in Uganda, and he was a missionary in Uganda. His brother is still there. And you want to talk about racism. The different tribes in Africa, they hate each other. And that's, that's a challenge for missions and for church work in Africa. And this is a tremendous passage for those churches. So this is not a new thing, this, this idea of cultural problems in a church. It's not a new thing. And it's not limited to a geographical location. And it's not only an American problem. This is a problem among people. You have cultures. Sometimes you have a large family group in a church, and that family group can cause trouble. How many of you thinking of the news right now? It's just the wives. It's just, no, no it's just, amen, Dan. He's, he's, she's elbowing him already. She really wasn't. But have you been in a, church, in a situation like that? Here's another issue. The difference between southern churches and northern churches in the United States. 
So in our area, we've got a lot of little Southern Baptist churches. And a lot of times you go into that little church and it's just, it's, it's, a, it's a family group that is that church. How many of you know exactly what I'm talking about? And so then if, if a new pastor comes and decides to do something a little bit different, there's a big problem and you have a split because we've never done it that way before. What, what is this? This is the problem of growth. This is the problem of culture. This is the problem of change. This is the problem of advancement. This is, this is just the human condition. Mark Twain said, the only people that like change are wet babies. And that is so true. And when there's change, it's interesting how often... Now, don't be offended by this. Who is it that... What's the source of the murmuring? The Greek widows. Often when there's change going on, it's the older generation complaining about the younger generation. Kids these days. How many of you know exactly what I'm talking about on that? Why? Because the older you get, the less you like change. It's just, now, now there are outliers. I enjoy change. I, I, I could paint my office every week. I, I enjoy change. So that just makes me weird, right, old people? Amen. And, and yet, this is what was going on in the church. They really felt like there was a, a specific group that was not being addressed that wanted to be, that needed help. So it's a failure. And so the enemy acts again from without and from within. Satan has pressed upon them. He attacks. And so what about from without? So the, they have just come through a persecution. They've been imprisoned and beaten. God gives them a victory of that. The, the Lord himself, the angel of the Lord, opens the prison gate and gets them out. And there's a celebration. It's wonderful what God has done. The preaching is going on. And what happens next? Well, a certain group feels like they're not being cared for properly. And Satan had already attacked the church through persecution and that caused the church to grow faster. Look at Acts 4 and verse 4. Acts 4 and verse 4. Look at what it says. Howbeit many of them which heard the word believed, and the number of the men was about 5,000. What's the context of that? After the healing of the lame man, they go and preach. When they... He, they're preaching. Now, the chief priests, the, the temple guard, they capture them. The, it, it always happens. And yet, after they were captured, that didn't stop the growth. He sought to cripple it by bringing sin into the body with Ananias and Sapphira. And look at what happened. Look at chapter 5 and verse 14. And the believers were more added to the Lord, multitudes, both of men and women. So Satan had tried persecution. He had tried open sin. And yet the church grew in spite of all of that. And so you know what's interesting? At Grace Baptist, we will always have trouble. There will always be problems here. Why? Because you're here. And because I'm here. And we're full of human frailty. Amen? And yet, God can overcome that. God can overcome that. And it's interesting the way he chooses to deal with this situation. So, 
Satan, having failed to stop the church through persecution or corruption, he tries a third tactic, and that's dissension within the church. A church racked by internal conflict finds its message lost in conflict and its energy dissipated. Look, we only have so much time. Amen? Do any of you work a job, have kids, you have a life, life is busy. You don't have that much time to talk to people. And if your talking to people is dominated by talking about the problem in the church, and honestly, we all know it's Cohen. Wouldn't you all agree? I think we all need to talk about Cohen being the problem in the church. Look, all these girls are saying amen. What have you done to these poor girls? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Something will pop its head up, and Cohen is not the problem. His dad could be. He's probably not. Diana just smiles, right? So really important that we get this. When There's something that pops up in the church, and, and we really don't have very many things like that. So it would be difficult for me to list. Schedule change, trunk or treat. Those are the things recently that there might have been some conversation about. Here's the deal. Expressing an opinion is needed because we are a congregation. Amen? Need to hear from you. Murmuring is not good. How many of you think murmuring is a positive word in the Bible? Look at the first mention of murmuring and look at what God did. You'll find out what God thinks about murmuring. Expressing an opinion is needed. Murmuring is devastating. And generally, as a church, you have an opportunity to express your opinion before a decision is made. Sometimes you don't. Either way, the result should never be murmuring. Amen? And this is the point that I was making. We only have so much time. You can't be complaining about the church and telling people about Jesus at the same time. We only have so much time. And so if the idea is that we've got a bunch of, of flawed, fallen people gathered together there's going to be personality conflicts. Amen? There, there are going to be person. I, I, have you ever taken a personality test? Have you ever had one of those? I took one of those and I failed it. <laughs> I hadn't been pastor here very long, and Jim Jimerson bought me how to win friends and influence people. <laughs> he, he thought I needed a little help in that area. And I guarantee you I did and still do. Okay? We are flawed, fallen people in need of the help of God and the Spirit of God to keep us as a unit, there will always be something for us to complain about. And this is something that, that Laura and I have to work on. Because do you think, what, what are the chances that y'all can do something to irritate us? What are the chances of that? And yet, is it profitable for us to dwell on that and talk about it? Not even a little bit. So this isn't church needs to not talk about the pastor. This is the pastor needs to talk, not talk about the church, and the people need to not talk about each other. We need to not murmur. And this whole unity theme that's, that we're seeing through the book of Acts it's not something that I'm created because I think we need unity. I think we have pretty good unity. And yet, we need to be careful because the thing Satan hates the most is the, the proclamation of the gospel 
And the thing that stops the proclamation of the gospel in a local church is a lack of unity, a lack of purpose, a lack of single-mindedness. we got to make sure that, that we stay on the right track. Amen? And so this is the attack. Murmurings arose, and the murmurings were born of jealousy because the Greeks thought that the Hebrew widows were getting more than they were getting. Usually, murmuring is when something happens, when a ministry is changed or something changes that's very important to you. And then you murmur. And it's interesting, if you're not involved in a ministry and that ministry changes, it doesn't have that much effect on you. If you are involved in that and there's a change or a shortcoming, that does involve you. And then we find out how are we doing spiritually. Uh, yesterday, I, I was watching some football, and I, I was watching the team from up north. And one of the commentators talked about the quarterback, how the quarterback had kind of knocked himself out of the Heisman race because he didn't pass the ball. He was willing to just run the ball. And he said, this is what the commentator said, what matters more to the player? Here's what makes a difference. The, what's on the front of the shirt or what's on the back of the shirt? So the idea is your team is on the front, your name is on the back. What's more important to you? I thought that was a good analogy for church life. What's more important to you? The, the Lord Jesus Christ and his body or your place in it? What's more important? And, and so there was some murmuring. There was some trouble that was going on. And do you know what's so cool? This is so fun. If I had to preach this text, knowing that there was a bunch of murmuring, it would be much more difficult. I think that we're in a good place. Would you all agree with that? I think that we are actually in a good place. But let's be honest. How many of you have actually heard some murmuring, say, in the last two years? You've, you've actually heard some murmuring. Hold your hands up. Okay, look around. So there has been some murmuring, but remember, I identified a distinction. Expressing an opinion to the right person or in the right situation, that's not murmuring. That's necessary. I have to have the counsel of godly men. Amen? I have to have that, and there are opportunities to do that. And as a leader, sometimes I failed in giving that opportunity. That's my fault. That's wrong. I need to give opportunity. And yet, there's a proper way to handle that. Amen? And so I'm very thankful that we're just in the text. We didn't go to Acts 6, folks. We got some trouble. It's cool that this is just where we are. And now, let's look at God's solution for it. Because here was the real problem. The real problem was not the murmuring. Here's the real problem. Look at chapter 6 and verse 1. And in those days when the number of the disciples was multiplied. There's the problem. The multiplication of the church. The growth of the church. Now look around you. Now attendance is down a little bit today, probably because of the holiday week. And yet, there's a lot of people in here. How many of you remember when the whole church could have fit in just this one little section right here. That's when the news were in charge. <laughs> that's, 
That's not even nice, is it? Hey, I'll just tell you something. I don't care what anybody thinks. Am I supposed to say this out loud? Tell me afterwards if I'm not. There probably wouldn't be Grace Baptist Church here if it wasn't for what the news did during that transition time. Isn't that a blessing? Wade, don't you say amen. You didn't do it. Um, (laughs) Did you hear him? I didn't vote for you. (laughs) That's awesome. But but seriously, the, the, the problem in the church was the multiplication. It always brings problems. Why? Because there are going to be some people that come in and they don't really fit in to our culture. Well, what is our culture supposed to be? Our culture is supposed to be a Bible preaching, evangelizing, disciple-making, church-planting culture. That's what our culture is supposed to be. Other than that, everything else is on the table. It's really important that we get this. And so what happens as you start growing, you have people that come from other cultures and other backgrounds, and maybe they come from, sometimes they get saved and they come. That's a good portion, majority of our church body. But then others come from different churches who have done different things. And one of the things that we always say to people who join the church coming from another church, we're so glad that you're here, but remember, you're joining us, we're not joining you. And if you bring your special gifts that God has given you to this church and plug them into our ministry, praise God. But if you want to turn Grace Baptist Church into a church that had trouble and you left, that's not what we want. It's like the Democrats that move from New York to North Carolina because New York is so awful, but then they want to govern North Carolina the way that they governed New York. How many of you think that's mental illness? It is. You got to take your brain out and play with it to think like that. And yet, there are people that come from a structure, committee run churches, women run churches, board run churches with all kinds of trouble. And they want to come and tell us how we should do it. We're always welcome. Uh, input is always welcome. Dissension is not. Amen? And I always like to say this for, for myself and the leaders of this church. This isn't a hobby. When we make a decision, we try to make it on a biblical basis after prayer. And so growth is the result of that. So look at, look at what it says, verse 1. And in those days when the number of the disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily administration. So there's the blessing of multiplication. Look at, and and the the Bible describes that through this beginning. Look at chapter 2 and verse 47. So is what the people are doing, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added unto the church daily such as should be saved. The Lord is adding to the church daily. You know what? The Lord's not been adding to Grace Baptist Church daily. Do you think he wants to? Let's us 
see to it that we give him the opportunity to do that daily by daily talking to someone about the Lord. And not only talking to them about the Lord, inviting them to church. People want to belong to something. But not only that, but look with me at uh, chapter 6 and verse 7. So after this organizational uh, structure that we're going to look at, look at verse 7, chapter 6 and verse 7. And the word of God increased, and the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly, and a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. And then look with me at chapter 5 and verse 14. We looked at that earlier. This is after the death of Ananias and Sapphira. And the believe, and believers were the more added to the Lord, multitudes of men and women. So do you see, the, the problem really, doesn't really stem from these ladies. The problem is there's just too much to accomplish for these men to do. And so the blessing of multiplication, the trials of multiplication, yet you had these, these cultural problems that were started. And then I want you to see that organization was necessitated by multiplication. So, y'all doing okay this morning? This is, this was really fun for me because it honestly convicted me a little bit. Because I don't really like administration and structure very much. Now, that might surprise you because I'm so opinionated. I'm opinionated about your structure. Just don't put it on me. And, and so, I've, I've often said that I don't have the gift of administration. You know, some pastor who might, so like Paul Chapel, I'll take his uh, wisdom on that because he's really gifted in that area. And yet, right here at the beginning of the church, the answer to growth is structure and organization. And it took me a long time to delegate. And then we had Nathan here. And Nathan, it took him never to delegate. And so when Nathan moved to Texas, Five guys stepped up and took his jobs. And do you know what happened? Everything exploded. Not in a bad way. In a multiplication good way. Why? Because this is God's plan. Now, let me be very clear on something. There's, there are two clear errors in this subject. There are some churches that don't believe in any structure at all. The pastor is not supposed to study He's supposed to stand up and let the Holy Spirit fill his mouth and just say whatever comes to his mind. The pastor's not supposed to be paid. That um, you, you go to church and there's not the, the choir doesn't come in and is organized. It's just whoever wants to comes up and sings in the choir and they're bench pressing babies through the service and right. You have zero structure. How many of you have been in a church like that? I've been, I preach in churches like that. It's hilarious. I would lose my mind in a church like that. Okay? And yet, there are, there's another extreme on the other side. And that's where you run the church like a business. And the pastor is on the board, and the, the head of the board is the chairman of the deacons. And you have committees and subcommittees and committees on committees. And you can't move a table in the lobby 
without going through three different committees. How many of you have been to a church like that? You've participated in churches like that. That stifles all creativity. It stifles all spontaneity. And honestly, it stifles the work of the Holy Ghost. So on the other side, where all they care about is the Holy Ghost, that stifles the Holy Ghost because the Bible says, let all things be done decently and in order. On this other side, everything is so rigid and structured that you get outside the plan for the New Testament church, which is spirit-filled believers fulfilling their call outside of a flow chart. It's interesting. And so God gave them what they are to do. So verse 12, then the 12 called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, it is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Do you know the first thing that I notice on this? They didn't get defensive. When these ladies, when they said that these ladies are being neglected, these widows are being neglected, they didn't say, no, they're not. We're doing the best we can. Do you know how busy I am? There's none of that there. Speaking of bench pressing babies, there we go. Right there. Do you, do you all see that? Do you know what I have done sometimes when people have complained? Do you know? I said this to Wade once, probably twice. Do you know? Not that he was complaining. I was talking about something else. Do you know how busy I am? That's not what the disciples did. That's not what they did at all. Be honest. How many of you are busy? Would you raise your hand that your life is busy? And yet, are you open to criticism? Are you, are you, what did they do? They didn't ever, if, if they did, it's not recorded. They didn't argue the point. What's interesting is they didn't do either. They didn't get defensive and they didn't do a whole thing about how we need to do better for these widows. They didn't acknowledge the problem either. This is an interesting leadership lesson. Don't let the problem become the focus. If there's a problem, put a solution in place that, that corrects everything. And any of you who are in a leadership position, you know this. If you give somebody, if you let that, that squeaky wheel get the grease, then what are you going to end up with? A whole bunch of squeaky wheels. And yet, if it's a legitimate problem, correct the problem in a way that improves everything. Isn't that wisdom that you have right here? It's fascinating that we, we only have one statement about the problem and there's nothing else about the problem. It becomes, how are we going to keep going in God's work and do a better job? It's amazing. So, the solution, verse 2 then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. What is that talking about? It's so important that we get this. And I'm going to divide this message into two because it's so important. But I want you to get this right here. The problem was there were too many needs for the disciples, for the apostles themselves to care for. And so what they needed were more servants. 
And the servants had to have specific qualifications. They had to be from among them. They didn't bring somebody in from outside. This is very interesting to me. Most churches, when they have a need, they hire someone else. And so what we end up with are staff-led churches. And what does that do? That robs the people in the congregation of the opportunity to use their gifts to solve a problem in the way that God has determined for it to be solved. It's vital. So the passage says, look ye out among you seven men of honest report. So they need to be from among them so that they could know it. And then they had to have a good report. And the good report is something that's spoken of all through the scriptures. So um, uh, Barnabas was known to have a good report. Um, several other times they were known to have a good report. When Ananias sent, or when Paul was sent to him, he had a good report. When Cornelius, when God tells Peter to go to Cornelius and he has the vision of the meat coming down and eating unclean things. When it describes Cornelius, he's a man well spoken of among the Jews. A good report. And so, do you have a good report? If you don't have a good report, you can't be used of God in the way that you ought to be able to be used. And not just among the people, but among the community. I thought of myself, um, and how many of you would I call yourselves bargain hunters? Right? And so, when I would try to negotiate things for the church, I'd always try to get the best price that I could. And I thought of this while I was preparing this message. I wonder what those people think about Grace Baptist Church. Do they think, man, that pastor's a jerk? Or do they think, man, they really care about God's money? Which one is it? It all depends on your perspective. And yet, I really need to be conscious of that when I'm dealing with the people out there. Amen? How do you balance that? That's where we need wisdom. That's why the Bible says, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. And so you have two different types of servants identified. You have servants of the word and servants of tables. They're both spiritual offices, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom. We need spirit-filled, temporal leadership. What is temporal leadership? That the building needs to be cared for. The grounds need to look right. When you walk in, when I walk in the door over there, there shouldn't be grass in the crack there. How many can say amen on that? That's really weak. You know why you didn't say amen? Because you know then you'd have to go get the grass out of the crack. The stuff needs to look right so that we can have a good testimony. Amen? Building needs to be cared for. How many of you notice we have a screen out? How many of you noticed that this morning? So what's going to happen? I talked to the guys. Justin Yo said, I'll reach out. I'll talk to him. I have his number. I'll get that cared for. So that's, a, that's a temporal thing. I asked the guys, do you, want me, you guys want me to make that call? Justin said, no, I'll take care of that. He didn't know what I was preaching on this morning. See, the idea of a deacon is to take that temporal, that physical stuff off of the pastor so that he can minister the word. 
But notice where it begins. We will give ourselves to prayer and ministry of the word. You see, my preaching as I prepare sermons, it must be prayerfully done. And let me tell you, if you're concerned about the parking lot and you're concerned about the screen and you're concerned about the the furnace and you're concerned about uh, the widows being cared for, if that's all that's on your if you're that's all on your plate, where is the time to just think and meditate and labor in God's word? So there's a division of labor. Again, the thing that brought this to a head was multiplication and murmuring. We don't want to stop multiplying. We do want to stop murmuring. And so the focus is not on limiting the numbers. We're just growing too fast. I've heard churches say that. I've heard people say that. I think we're just growing too fast. Well, you don't need to be in leadership. Or people focus on the problems. All they can see is the problems. They see it'll never work. We're doomed. It'll never work. I can't believe we're doing this. The disciples said, Let's organize this thing. And here's the good news. The saying pleased the whole people. Everybody said, you know what they said? You know what? These guys do need help. And here's what's really fun. Look ye out among you, seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom. Full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom? Why? Because it takes a lot of wisdom to herd and serve God's people. Because the job of the deacon is to help the people, help the pastor serve the people. That's the job. Help the pastor serve. Not help the pastor govern. Help the pastor serve. Notice what else it says. Whom we may appoint over this business. They didn't call seven deacons to run the ministries. They didn't call seven deacons to run the pastor. They get people, have the church, identify people who are full of the ghost and wisdom, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom with a good name, submit them to the leaders, and the leaders, the pastors, will appoint them to the work. So, at our church... We're trying to do a little bit better with our structure. So the first Sunday of every month, we have a discipler meeting. So we've talked about that. But we will also have a deacons meeting. We will also have a team leader meeting. Now, how many of you have noticed that we don't have assistant pastors staff here at Grace Baptist? We will. I hope in the next couple of years to be able to bring someone on. Um, But that won't change any of the work that you all are doing. The purpose of bringing on an assistant pastor is to assist the pastor. That's the job, not to do your job. Amen? Because y'all are doing a better job than anybody I could hire. And, and yet, and yet the structure, the idea behind it, it's really good. Um, we, we have chosen not to have an assistant pastor while we pay off the, the building. What that has done is it has caused men in the church to have more responsibilities. Amen? 
That's a good thing. It's made my job pretty hard. My, my schedule, it's made my schedule pretty hard. How many of you really feel sorry for me? You just think that I'm suffering terribly. No, it's all fine. It's all fine. I, I think I said it the other day. I don't ever really think about it until someone complains. <laughs> then, then I said, do you know how busy I am? See, you see, that's a, that's a vicious cycle. And so God's plan for the church is for us to divide up the responsibility. And I want to just show you a couple of things. And then, then you know what? We're not. I want to do this. I'll do this next week. I was going to do a Thanksgiving sermon next week. I won't. I want to do this. I want to show you how the division of labor in a church didn't start with the church. It started with God's plan in the Old Testament and in Jesus' ministry in the Gospels. It's pretty cool. And then what we have, I mentioned that we're trying to do better with our organization. So the first Sunday night of every month, we'll have, or the first Sunday of every month, we'll have a, a discipler meeting. But before that, we'll be a team leader meeting. So we've divided the church into, I think, 10 teams. We have men who are over those. Our deacons are involved in all of that. So 10 teams. Before that meeting will be the deacons meeting because the primary leadership in the church is the pastor and the deacons. Amen? And so do you see how this, this flares out? We, we set the agenda with the deacons. We figure out how that's going to work out into the congregation through the teams. And then we take it to the individual level where the discipler talks to the disciple and the entire church moves in the right direction based on what God is doing. Now, 25 years ago, we couldn't have done this. Why? Because we hadn't had the multiplication yet. The need for that wasn't there yet. It had to start with the discipling. That brought more involvement. That brought more people. And now we've grown. We've gotten to the place where we realized Nathan leaving, we needed the teams. And now we're realizing it's not because Nathan left that we needed the teams. This has always been God's plan. And so I want you to see how biblical it is, what it requires, and how we're going to carry it out, and then what the result of is is in the book of Acts. And it's the same result that we want here. How many of you would like to see religious people get saved? What happened when the church functioned right in the book of Acts? And many priests were added to the faith. Think about this. You think maybe the veil being rent in two had something to do with that? That's pretty cool. Let's all stand together. Lord, we love you. What a wonderful example of biblical leadership.